Boom, shake the room, Fire Nation. JLD here with an audio masterclass on how to go from chief everything officer to chief executive officer. To drop these value bombs, I have brought James Friel on the mic. When businesses are ready to scale, they call James. He's a secret weapon helping many of today's well-known entrepreneurs become successful CEOs. Breaking complex problems into small, actionable steps is his superpower. And today we'll be talking about the genius paradox, why hiring a team doesn't always make things better, and the four types of bad bosses, and which one are you possibly, Fire Nation? And so much more when we get back from thanking our sponsors. The strategies to attract your dream customers when you're just starting out are exactly the same as when you own a multi-million dollar business. And these strategies are waiting for you on my buddy Russell Brunson's new podcast miniseries, Traffic Secrets. Open your podcast app and subscribe to Traffic Secrets now or visit trafficsecretspodcast.com. James, say what's up to Fire Nation and share something interesting about yourself that most people don't know. What's up, Fire Nation? Great to be here, JLD. Um, So I think one of the things about me that most people probably wouldn't know, unless you're my parents, uh, my first big sale uh, in my career was actually selling my swing set when I was uh, like eight or nine years old. You're like, I'm done with this for sale. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, it was really funny because I was home alone and my neighbor came driving up our driveway and he knocked on the door. He's like, Hey, are your parents here? I was like, no, they're not here. And I just figured the conversation would end. And we just kind of stood there and was awkward (laughs) for a minute. And he looked over at my swing set. He's like, Oh, that's a really nice swing set. And I looked over at it and realizing exactly what you just said. And I was like, well, uh, do you want to buy it? And he said, really? I was like, yeah, sure. I was like, I'm not using it anymore. Why don't you make me an offer? And, and he, uh, he like, offered five me, bucks. <laughs> I sold it for 75. Whoa. And, <laughs> yeah. He's like, all right, I'll take it. And I was like, perfect. So he goes driving down the road and my parents see the swing set hanging off the back of his truck. They're like, was that your swing set? I was like, yeah, I just sold it. <laughs> <laughs> your parents are like, we spent $745 on that yeah, swing ex- set. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, Fire Nation, as I shared during the intro, we're going to be talking about how to go from chief everything officer to chief executive officer. And we have a lot of great ground to cover. And James, I actually want to start by talking about the genius paradox. Why do most people get stuck in their business? Yeah, most people get stuck in their business because they're really good at something. And most people start a business because you have an idea for a product or a service or whatever it is, and you're good at that thing. And you start doing more of that thing and you create success. And it's almost like, you know, those, um, you know, Chinese handcuffs, where you put both of your fingers oh, in like the yes. har- right like the harder you pull the like the harder it is to get out and i think the better you are at your thing the more success that you create and what winds up happening like if you picture uh you know a, a pie at first when you're starting you're getting to do your thing you know 50 60 70 80% of the time and the more success you create the more other things that you create while you're doing that thing, right? You now have more customers, you have bills that need to be paid, people that are working for you potentially, all these different things. And so that percentage of the pie that you're working on your zone of genius, which is the catalyst for growth, 
starts shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. And sooner or later, you're like, man, I'm not even getting to do the thing that I'm, I'm good at, the thing that I love, um, the thing that I was so excited about when I first started this because there's all this other stuff. So it's almost, it's sort of this cruel joke. The better you are, the faster that success happens. And then that creates this whole new set of problems. Kind of reminds me of the book a little bit, E Myth Revisited. And, you know, where they're just kind of like talking about how this person, oh, they love baking muffins. So they started a bakery and then they just realized, like, huh, like I'm no longer doing anything to do with baking. Right. Like I'm doing all the things, but, and that is kind of like potentially that issue that you're getting into. And I think that's really fascinating about the genius paradox, too, is like, man, you're just really good at that thing and you kind of get stuck doing that thing because you're so good at it. And like in your mind, a lot of entrepreneurs have this problem. Like we think like, oh, nobody else could do it. Like I could do it. And guess what? They might not be able to do it a 10 out of 10 if you're a quote, a quote, a 10 out of 10. But like if you can get somebody doing something like a seven or eight out of 10 that frees you up to do other things, to grow and expand your business and to actually fulfill your vision, that's something to definitely think about. Now, Let's be honest. Systems are massive. I mean, we have built Entrepreneurs on Fire on the back of systems and automations. I mean, it has been critical for us. So why is our business growth limited to the fact that we'll never be able to exceed the capacity of our systems? It's a great question because I think that you know people generally are more excited about the, uh, the result that they can create than the system. And, and I, I'm right there with you, right? Like I, you know, told you about selling my swing set, right? Like I love sales. I love working with customers and that sort of thing. And even though a lot of people know me as a systems guy, they think it must just be like, I just like wake up every morning and I'm like, Oh my God, you know what I want to do today? I just want to build more systems. But what, like what I really want to do is I want to grow my business. Like I want to grow my business. I want to have a life. I want to have you know, the, the ability to work on the things that I find meaningful and important. And, but at the end of the day, like I'm only one guy. And even if I have a team of people, we are only so many people. And each one of us has a limited amount of resources at our disposal. It doesn't matter who you are, whether you're a solopreneur or you're Jeff Bezos, at some point there's a, there's like a finite amount of resources that we all have to work with and, and systems are the gateway to freedom and uh, and and the way that the way that I like to explain it is systems give you leverage and leverage is an incredibly important concept that I think a lot of people talk about but is uh, misunderstood and and I remember the first time I learned about leverage was not in the business context my dad was uh, my dad was a mechanic and so he was always working on cars in the garage and I went out to the garage one time and you know he was kind of under the hood doing something and. And I asked him if he wanted any help. And he's like, yeah, just, you know, grab that wrench and take that bolt off of this, you know, part of the car. And I was like, okay. So I grabbed the wrench and I'm like, I'm pulling on it. And this thing just like won't break. (laughs) And and I'm like, oh my God. So what's, what's my reaction? Pull harder, right? So I'm pulling harder and he walks, you know, he walks away. So he doesn't see what I'm doing. I'm like standing on the engine of the car and I'm like pulling on this thing. And he comes back in. He's like, what are you doing? I said, well, you wanted me to get this off but I don't like, I'm not strong enough to get it off. And so he's like, hang on a sec. So he walks to the other side of the garage, grabs this three foot length of pipe, puts the pipe over the handle of the wrench. He's like, here, grab the top part of this pipe. And I did. And I pulled and the, the bolt immediately broke off. And that was the first time I was like, wait a second, I put less effort in and I got the result way easier. 
right? And, and systems are the leverage that we need in our business because we, we only have so much time in the day. We only have so many people on our team. We only have so many resources to use human capital and financial capital to do things that could be systemized is not the best use of resource. And so our business growth is ultimately bottlenecked by how effective our systems are. Fire Nation, I think it's so key to really recognize the fact that systems will give you leverage. They'll give you the ability to scale. And I love that visual that you gave, James, about the fact that, hey, let's stick a pipe on the end of this wrench and then all of a sudden, something I couldn't move five seconds before, now because of leverage, I'm able to do it and I'm able to do it fairly easy. Like it's it's not super difficult. Yeah. And so like whenever you're finding yourself being like, man, this is so difficult. Believe me, there's a better way. And you know, a lot of times people ask me, they're like, John, like how have you been able to build the business and the success that you've been able to achieve so far? And like, I'll answer with a straight face. I'll be like, I'm a tweaker. Like I'm literally a tweaker. What I mean by that is every single time I do something, I'm typically just doing a little tweak, a little leverage, a little something, just a little twist that's just making that system a little bit better. But guess what? When I have made a hundred tweaks, you know, over a hundred days, like that compound effect has been massive. And so like I am always tweaking things. I'm always adjusting. I'm always looking for that that system that's going to give me that leverage, that ability to scale. Now, when a lot of people think of leverage and scale and freedom, James, they think, wow, well, I just need to hire people because hiring people will make things easier. It will make things better. Is hiring a team going to do that for sure? It's not a certainty. There is absolute value in having a team. I totally believe that. But I also think that unless you have, uh, if unless you're setting up systems, then your team is just a drain on you or could be a drain on you. You know, it's expensive to have people and it takes time to manage those people. And so I think a lot of times when people run into bottlenecks, they say, oh, well, just, you know, just throw money at it and hire somebody. And more often than not, that that doesn't really fix the problem because you never got to the root of the problem. And if if hiring people is always the solution, then you really haven't dug deep enough. And and it kind of um, brings me to the point that I want to make about what is what like what really is the system, right? We throw this word out a lot. And people say, oh, you got to systemize things and just create a system. And, you know, it's kind of become a, a buzzword. And I'm glad that there's awareness around it. But, uh, but the definition is, is critical. And back at, when I left my corporate job, like nine years ago, I was running my first agency. And I had a lot of sales and marketing success, but the delivery and keeping everything on track was a total mess. And I just thought maybe I should just hire people. And so I had like this revolving door in my business for a year and a half where it would be like one person after the next, after the next. And it just wasn't working. I was like, man, like, what am I doing wrong here? And I zoomed out and created a definition of a system that has helped me ever since. And a system is a combination of people and processes and tools. And all three of those things need to be coordinated in helping you achieve a certain outcome. And so if you're hiring people and plugging them in, to a system where there's processes and tools to help them get their job done. You know, people do the thing, processes help them know what to do, and the tools support them in that effort. Then hiring people is a great idea. But if you're just going to throw people at a problem, 
then you're going to, you know, you're going to have a, a much bigger mess. And it's, it reminds me of a story and you and I are both good friends with Russell Brunson. Oh yeah. And, uh, Russell, Russell's been a client of mine and I helped him put systems in place in his business. But one of the, one of the stories that he shares is in his early days, you know, he had like a team of six, seven, eight people and they'd just be kind of sitting around while Russell did all the work. And it's like, man, if your team is just sitting around while you do all the work, that means that you haven't fully integrated them into a system and really it's just costing you money. So the right way to think about hiring people is how do you plug them into that system that is a combination of people, process, and tools all trying to achieve a similar outcome. See, I love that. I just want to repeat that one more time, Fire Nation, that a system is a combination of people and processes and tools all trying to achieve an outcome. Like that is just such a great way to look at that process, to look at what a real system will do, a profitable system will do for you. Now, Fire Nation, if you even think we're close to done dropping value bombs, you have another thing coming. We're going to break down the four types of bad bosses and so much more as soon as we get back from thanking our sponsors. Hiring can be difficult, but if you're a company that's currently trying to hire, you face new difficulties from safely reopening your doors to finding the right person for a specialized role. Housing Wire could relate. They needed to hire an ambitious reporter to cover news stories on the U.S. mortgage and housing markets. So they turned to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter's smart matching technology finds people with the right experience for your job. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. And that's how Housing Wire found Alexandra Roja. Alexandra never imagined she could get a reporter job in the midst of COVID-19. Hiring was frozen and the idea of looking for a job was discouraging. So she created a profile on ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter matched Alexandra to Housing Wire's reporting job because her degree and writing skills were a great fit for the role. Housing Wire received her application only four hours after they posted the job, and a few weeks later, Alexandra started her dream career. ZipRecruiter helped Alexandra find the right job, and they helped Housing Wire find the right person for their role fast. See how ZipRecruiter can help you hire. Try it now for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. What if I told you that the strategies to attract your dream customers when you're just starting out are exactly the same as when you own a multi-million dollar business? My buddy Russell Brunson has grown ClickFunnels into one of the fastest growing non-VC backed SaaS companies in the world. So you know the strategies he's using to attract his dream customers are working very well. So how does this help you? He just released a new podcast mini series called Traffic Secrets to share the exact strategies he uses and that you can use too. Throughout his 20 power-packed episodes, Russell teaches you how to identify your dream customers, find where they're already hanging out, and get direct access to them no matter your budget. These and many more strategies are the exact strategies that Russell uses to bootstrap his business into a $100 million a year empire, and they're the same traffic-driving strategies he uses today to draw people into his world, generate leads, and make sales. These secrets are so powerful, Fire Nation. Open your podcast app and subscribe to Traffic Secrets now, or visit trafficsecretspodcast.com. So James, we're back and there are not one, not two, not three, but four types of bad bosses. Let's break <laughs> each one of those bad bosses down one by one. It's important to recognize this because I think we've all probably, as I'm going to talk about, we're, we've all seen ourselves become these types of people in one shape or form and having awareness around this and what to do about it is the thing that can help really drive growth when we're, you know, when we have the systems in place and we're managing a team, we don't, we don't want to show up 
as these four. And so the first one is what I call the hypercritical boss. Okay, this is the person who needs to be right all the time. They're they're kind of judgmental of other people's contributions or opinions. Nothing's really ever good enough. They tend to think they could have done things better themselves. They're sort of like uh, driven by anger. Maybe it's outward. Maybe it's passive aggressive, whatever. Um, and their team is not really empowered, but they're sort of dependent on this person uh, for solutions. And that ultimately stumps growth. And so the team doesn't grow because they're always worried about this, you know, this person who's who's hypercritical. And so that's on one side. And then on the other side, you have sort of the opposite person who is the people pleaser. And this is the person who really, really wants to be liked by their team. It's super important that everybody thinks they're a good person. They want to keep the peace and avoid conflict and difficult conversations and, you know, potentially even have self-sacrifice in order to avoid that conflict. And, and even though they, they tend to think they could have things done, do things better themselves, they just volunteer to take on more because they're trying to make sure everybody likes them. And so they wind up having resentment uh, towards their team because they're, you know, they're doing their team's job and they're not really addressing the issue. And this leads them to feel like, you know, they're a victim and wishing that things were different, but they're unwilling to make a change. And so you've got sort of these two on one spectrum. And then on the other spectrum, we kind of have this, this concept of presence, like, am I more present or less present? So being too present is the helicopter boss. And this is the person who's, you know, constantly hovering over the team, worried that everything's going to fall apart if they're not involved. They're the, the dominating micromanager. They do everything themselves because they don't trust other people to do things correctly. And they're driven by fear of losing control. And then the opposite of that person is the absentee. And we've seen these people plenty of times as well. You know, they're, they're bothered when their team needs them. And they think that what their team is doing is beneath them. And they just kind of want their team to figure things out on their own because they think most things aren't worth their time. In many cases, they're likely to grant premature ownership of tasks and responsibilities because they don't want to be involved. And they're driven out, they're driven by the fear of missing out on other more important things. And so, you know, there's there's these two spectrums that we both we all can fall on. And our goal is is to recognize these tendencies that that we have and how we show up as leaders and managers and to bring things towards the center to this concept of, of what I call being an engaged leader who is, you know, showing up, giving feedback, willing to have the difficult conversations, giving the right authority and autonomy to people and being engaged when is necessary. And so it's, it's really important that we recognize that, you know, it's not your fault if you're showing up like this, but once you have this awareness, how can you become an engaged leader instead of showing up like one of those four types? Now, let me put you on the spot here. Which one of these four is your least favorite type of a bad boss? <laughs> My least favorite type is probably the absentee because I'm like, man, if you if you have a business, like get your roll up your sleeves and like be the business owner, like be an engaged leader. And I think it's hard to do that if you just feel like everything is you know, out there and not really supposed to be like requiring you at any level. And which is the one that you think is probably the easiest to make an adjustment and become a good boss, even though right now you might quote unquote be a bad boss? I think that with the right delegation systems in place, it's way better. And I think it's easier to go from being the helicopter person who's like always micromanaging mm, things. Hovering everywhere, yeah. Totally. Nobody nobody likes to work like that. It's exhausting for everybody. 
and and with you know systems, people, process, tools, but then delegating things like who's going to do it, when's it going to get done, what exactly needs to be done, and making sure that you have feedback loops on those systems. I think it is easy to move away from being that helicopter boss, which nobody really likes. And it's empowering too to the, your employees and the people on your team, Fire Nation. When you're just like, you know what? this is what I want you to do. Now you go do it and you figure out how to do it. And I'd love for you to come up with a better way than maybe I'm showing you right now. But like at the end of the day, this is your job. Come back, take control, take power, take ownership. This is yours. You're empowering these individuals now to go out, take responsibility. Now they have pride in this thing, Fire Nation. When someone has pride in something, man, they do not want to screw up. Like they want to be proud of something worth being proud of. Now, if we really wanted to break it down to the core, because we hear the word hustle all the time. I mean, we said the, we said Russell Brunson's name a few times. You know, people look and they see that he seems like he's always hustling around, like he's doing Instagram stories, live speeches from stages, webinars, writing books, doing all this jazz. What's the difference between a hustling entrepreneur, somebody who's just hustling, and an effective CEO? This is such an important topic because I think that there is a there is a big difference, but it's not immediately clear on the outside, right? Because I'm not saying that you're going to achieve success without putting work in because it takes work to build systems, to build a team, to build a business that's valuable. But I think the key distinction between a hustling entrepreneur and an effective CEO is that a hustling entrepreneur, if you look at them today, they're going to be grinding today, but you look at them a year from now, they're going to be grinding on a very similar problem. A quote that I really like is, you know, don't ever be working on the same problem a year from now. Like you could be working on a worse problem, a better problem, a different problem, but don't make it the same one. And I think a hustling entrepreneur is somebody who's just like waking up, going through the grind, doing the same thing day in, day out, and they're not creating any foundation for themselves to stand on. And, and contrast that with uh, an effective CEO, an effective CEO is somebody who recognizes that if you're building a business that's going to be an empire, right, and you have ambition to build something of significance and substance, then that empire is built on the bricks of systems, yeah. right? You, you constantly need to be replacing yourself and other people with these systems. And so, Part of your job as an effective CEO is what systems need to be built so that 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, a year from now, we're not working on the same problems. We've solved those problems and now we've moved on to bigger and better things, whereas the hustling entrepreneur is still going to be working on the same things a year from now. Fire Nation, if you really break it down to brass tacks, the level of your success is the level of your problems. I mean, if you're working on low-level problems today and you're still doing that a year from now, then your level of success will not have ratcheted up at all. But if you're working on really big problems a year from now, because listen, you've continued to hire out and delegate and make systems and scaling and leveraging, you're going to be having higher level problems because you're having higher level success. So always think of that when you're going forward and building out your empire. So James, we've talked about a lot of awesome stuff today. What is one key thing that you really want to make sure Fire Nation gets from everything that we've talked about, then give us the best way that we can find out more about you, learn more from you, give us that call to action, and then we'll say goodbye. Absolutely. So I say the one the one key thing is 
using that that definition of a system, people, process, and tools, figure out what is the first brick that you need to systemize in your business, right? Is it, you know, you need to figure out some somebody to help you with your content distribution? Is it, you need to figure out somebody to help you with your, your hiring, your onboarding, your customer onboarding, like whatever it is, start getting in the habit and the mindset of being that effective CEO. Don't fall into the trap of being those four bad bosses that we talked about. Be an engaged leader and an effective CEO who starts building your empire on the bricks of those systems. So that's that's the one big thing that, and maybe there were a couple of things in there, but that I would uh, that I would share. And so, um, so we've we've prepared something super special for you guys, um, and I'm I'm very uh, very happy to share that with you guys. So it's uh, a whole audit, basically. Ooh. It's a series of worksheets that lets you go through your entire business and see where you're at. We've got a, a framework that I didn't get a chance to go into today um, called our, our RYG framework that will enable you to see where are your systems in your business, which ones should you be focusing on first, and then how to build those. And so we've created a special toolkit just for Fire Nation, and you guys can get that at jamespfreel.com forward slash fire. Fire Nation, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with, and you've been hanging out with JF and JLD today, so keep up that heat. And if you head over to eofire.com and just type James in the search bar, the show notes page will pop up with everything that we've been talking about today, links to everything, best show notes in the biz. But Fire Nation, you literally have to check your pulse if you don't take this call to action. You have heard how powerful systems are throughout this entire conversation today. You are not going to get where you want to be without the right systems. You are not going to get where you need to be, Fire Nation, without the right framework. So you need to head over to jamespfreel.com slash fire and you spell freel, F-R-I-E-L. So jamespfreel.com dot com slash fire. You're going to be able to go through an audit and then get that framework that James was talking about and Fire Nation. If you are being honest with yourself and you really want to achieve success, this is a call to action you have to take because guess what? This audit and this framework is going to instantly improve your systems, period, end of story. So James, Thank you so much for sharing your truth, your knowledge, your value with Fire Nation today. For that, brother, we salute you, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks. So awesome to be here. Hey, Fire Nation. Today's value bomb content was brought to you by James. And successful entrepreneurs, they accomplish big goals, huge goals. That's why I created the Freedom Journal to guide you in accomplishing your number one goal in 100 days, Fire Nation. We're talking step by step. Visit thefreedomjournal.com and you'll be able to acquire that journal. It's going to be awesome. Thank you for listening to my podcast, Fire Nation. I'll catch you there or I'll catch you on the flippity flip side. The strategies to attract your dream customers when you're just starting out are exactly the same as when you own a multi-million dollar business. And these strategies are waiting for you on my buddy Russell Brunson's new podcast miniseries, Traffic Secrets. Open your podcast app and subscribe to Traffic Secrets now or visit trafficsecretspodcast.com.